lest anyone cheat you. What? I don't want to be cheated. And uh, I'm not, neither do I want to cheat anybody. That's through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. So anybody who's teaching us things contrary to the word of God and trying to get us to buy into a philosophy, which there's all sorts in the world, just watch the TV. I should do that, don't bother, actually. But watch the TV, listen to the news, see what's on Internet, and you'll see that it's a constant pounding of false philosophy, false religion, false thinking. Now, how does a Christian combat I believe the answer is in two words. Who are starting in him. Uh, they mean in, we're talking in here as you go through Colossians, you'll find that in other places in him, it means in Christ. Or sometimes it'll be in whom. But it all boils down to being and when I'm in something, I'm into it. Some of you are into sports. Some of you are into uh, making shoe, building shoeboxes, see, filling shoeboxes. And I'm married to Mrs. Shoebox, so I can't get it out right. But anyway, in him, when you're in something, you know, you're really in it. And we are to be That's our position. So we need to learn how to practice being in him. Now, our text this morning uh, is all around Colossians 1 and 2 there, but basically it's in two verses. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk, what's the next two words, class? Say it with me, in him, rooted and built up, Say it again, in him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Now, this is a continuation of the uh, thoughts, the concepts that we had last week when we talked about Enoch. Enoch did what? He walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. And then we talked about what it meant to walk with God. We also cited Amos 3.3. Can two walk together except they be agreed or agree to meet? They have to be in agreement. And we said it's always us having to be in agreement with God, not God having to agree with us, although we would prefer it that way in our own flesh. But it's we need to be in agreement with him. We talked about the fact that we start at the same point. We start in walking with God the moment we trust the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. You can't walk with God unless the Holy Spirit is inside of you, unless Jesus dwells within through the Holy Spirit. If you're going to walk with God, you need to agree that you're a sinner, that Christ died for your sins, that he was buried and rose again, and you've trusted him as your Savior. Now, I also said, 
and I believe this to be true, that every morning we've got to decide we want to stay. We can't just say, well, I did that 100 years ago and, or 10 years ago, and, and that's good enough for me. No, you have to walk with God on a daily basis so that we learn what it is to agree with him about whatever we did wrong the day before, agree with him that we need his help for that day, look to him for strength and encouragement as we go through the day. And we also said not only do we start at the same point, but we have the same twofold purpose. Thanks to Joe Stoll, who gave us those two. We are here, and he, he observed them. He didn't make them up. We're here for God's glory. We're here to spread Christ's kingdom. The two priorities of God is the glory of his son, which brings glory to him, and the glory of uh, the um, spread of his kingdom. And here we mean that people become born again and enter the kingdom of God, the family of God. That's what we're referring to as the kingdom. We're not talking about the millennial kingdom, but we're talking about the kingdom here and now. Every person who trusts Jesus Christ is part of that kingdom and should have a kingdom objective of spreading the word because it's the only way to be happy. It's the only way to be forgiven. It's the only way to eternal life. So we have to have the same two purposes, and then we have to be headed at the same pace. Sometimes we get ahead of God, but more often than not, we're behind him. And in, uh, we cited Galatians 5, to 26, which basically told us in one of those verses that we needed to be in step with him. And we're only in step with him when we talk to him, when we read his word, when we are taught in the word of God, we be... God allows us to get in step with his objectives, with his plans, with what he wants us to be doing. And then we're going to end in the same place. Now, people think that, yeah, everyone's going to heaven. That's not what I mean. I mean that when you're born again, there's going to be a day when God's going to say, like he did to Enoch, okay, Enoch, let's go to my place. And... Uh, that wasn't exactly how it happened. I wasn't there, so I don't know. But there's going to be a day when Jesus is going to say to you, if you're a believer, okay, come on home, my daughter. Come home, my son. Or he's going to take us all home on the family plan. You know what the family plan is. It's called the rapture. And we can look forward to that possibility as well. So now, we're looking at verse 6 here. And we're talking about walking in him. And it says here, as you have therefore received. And notice there are three words, Christ, Jesus, the Lord. Now, there are a couple of uh, translations that translate the Lord a little differently, but most of them have it as the Lord. This is the only place that Paul uses this title for our Lord Jesus Christ. He calls him Christ Jesus the Lord. And we are to walk in him by faith. So now if we're going to walk in Christ, what would that mean? Well, the name Christ means anointed one or Messiah. And that speaks 
of his deity. I have a quote there from Charles Erdman. If you look at verse 15 of chapter 1, where it says, he is the image of the invisible God. That is, he is the exact replicate of Jesus, of God the Father, because he is God. He has all the same qualities, all the same attributes. He is the image of the invisible God, and he became visible so we would get an idea of just who God is and what he's like. Besides, coming as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. He's the firstborn over all creation. And as um, Charles Erdman said, and I may have given you this quote before, Christ existed before the creation, but he held the rank commonly assigned to the firstborn, the rank of eminence and dominion. Christ is thus declared to be the universal sovereign. He's not a created being. He was born a human being, but he existed for all eternity previous. He is God, the Son. He is the Anointed One. And uh, just to give you an idea of what he's busy doing and what, has he, what he has done, verse 16 says of Colossians 1, For by him all things were created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. So who created you? The Lord Jesus Christ. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, all involved in your creation. He's your creator, and then also he created you for him. Get that. He loved you so much, he created you for him. And that's why he gave you the gospel. That's why Jesus came to die for our sins, because he created you for him. Wow. You know why we make God sad, self-included, so often? We think it's all about us. When really, Through him. And um, we also look at Colossians 2.9. And here it says, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Does, is Jesus God? Yes. That's, that's what it's saying. He's God. He has all the qualities, all the attributes. He is God. Do I understand the Trinity? The answer is absolutely not. Do I know the Trinity exists? By faith, I sure do. It's the only logical way that God could redeem his creation. Think about that. What else could be done? This was God's plan. So it's God, the triune God, working together to bring forgiveness and eternal life to you. That's how much he, he's stuck on you. You know that? He loves you. And let's not forget that. And so what is the conclusion of all this? If Jesus Christ is God, and is, then he's to be worshipped 
as what? As who? As God. So as part of the Trinity, he receives worship and adoration. Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise unto God continually. That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Have you thanked God for anything today? Are you going to thank him later? You know, this is again a challenge to me. We, we need to be thankful all the time. We read Colossians 3, 1 to 17, which we spoke a little bit about a few weeks ago. You'll find three times in that passage towards the end, it says, give thanks, give thanks, give thanks. We are to be a thankful people and we are to worship God with an attitude of thanksgiving. We're to worship the Lord Jesus. Revelation 5, it says in the notes 4, you can fix it. That was my bad. And I realized after it was printed, it was my bad. And this is, it says in verse 11, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. I think there were a few folk there, right? God's heavenly host, those who uh, were uh, already in heaven will include us as well at that particular point in time. And uh, here's what they're saying. Verse 12, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. In other words, Jesus Christ, we are to ascribe abscri to him the fact that he has the power, the riches, the wisdom, the strength. He gets the honor. He gets the glory. We need to our lips need to bless his name in thanksgiving. And then it goes on, verse 13, and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne. That's the Father and to the Lamb forever and ever. Jesus Christ is to be worshiped by me. Jesus Christ is to be worshipped by you. When? On Sunday? Of course. How about Monday morning? A little harder on Monday morning, right? Monday morning too. Anytime during the next week. He is to have our adoration and our praise. So if we're going to walk in Christ, we are going to be worshipping him because he is deity. He is God. And then we go on. The name Jesus. We're in him. First there's Christ. That's deity. Then there's Jesus. And the name Jesus means Jehovah or Yahweh will save. Now this speaks of two things. I only wrote down one because I, I realized the other one, I think it was maybe even this morning or yesterday after the notes again were written, of his duty and devotion. His duty from God the Father in the plan of the Trinity was to be the salvation for his fallen race, for those who sin, which is the whole world, 
He came to die. He came to be buried. He came to rise again. That Jehovah is salvation. That's why Jesus came. This not only speaks of duty, but it speaks of devotion. Devotion to God the Father. Devotion to his creation. He came and prayed the ultimate price. The suffering and the humiliation. And then the suffering at the hands of God he received. So you and I could have forgiveness. Wow. Matthew 1, verse 21 says this. First of all, a little background. Mary's pregnant. Joseph's the intended father. He hadn't slept with Mary. And uh, he was engaged, which was as good as married, except they hadn't consummated the marriage. And uh, all of a sudden, she's pregnant, and Joseph is thinking, as a righteous man, I'll just quietly divorce her and move on, go, get on with my life. In verse 20, it says, but while, chapter 1 in Matthew 18, but while he thought about these things, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. You've probably been taught, as I've been taught and believed, that Matthew is the gospel of the king. But let us remember, not only was it the gospel of the king, but it was the gospel of the Savior. The purpose for the Savior to come was to, uh, as a king, uh, before he was uh, enthroned as our king, was to pay the price so we could be part of the kingdom. And so he came to save his people from their sins. And so that's why he came. So when we think of Jesus as Jehovah will save, it speaks of his duty and his devotion. Now, obviously, we must trust Christ by faith. We must believe on him, accept his gift of eternal life. This is nothing new. We've shared this a gazillion times. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we have this reminder here. And what does that mean for us as believers? Simply this. To walk by faith in Jesus is to walk in love and devotion. Why do I say that? 1 John chapter 4. It says in verse 10, And this is love. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. You know what propitiation means? Satisfaction. In other words, uh, you get a ticket. Okay, you get a ticket for speeding. And you go to the judge and your dad says, I'm coming along. And uh, dad says, plead guilty, you're guilty. You plead guilty. 
And then dad pulls out his wallet and satisfies the fine. It was $250, by the way. He made that up. But anymore, I think those fines are getting higher. So say 250 bucks, dad just says, here it is. You know what? The judge is satisfied. Law is satisfied. That's what Jesus did for you. He paid the price so you can be forgiven. He was your guest get out of hell free card instead of out of jail. But you know what? If you've accepted Christ's payment for your sins, now you must be devoted to him. You need to love him. That's a proof that you truly have served, uh, have believed on him. Uh, verse 18 of the same chapter, 1 John 4, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment or judgment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We've been made perfect in love through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it also says we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. Can you imagine why Jesus said in Matthew 10, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. None of us are worthy, but we certainly want to show appreciation and put our love for him above all others. In Mark chapter 12, there was a man towards the end of Jesus' life who came and said to him, uh, what is the first commandment or the greatest commandment of all in the law? And Jesus said this. He said in Mark 12 and verse 29, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is, the Lord is one. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second is like this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. But get this. If we love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and all our strength, we have to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit within our lives to do that. And who are we going to love? We're going to love God the Father, and we are going to love God the Son that way because he is God. And we should love the Holy Spirit as well. Although he's in the background, he's very active at work within our lives. And so to walk in faith in Jesus is to walk in love and devotion to him. We can't claim that Jesus is Lord unless we strive to obey him. Again, we go to 1 John. Oh, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. I never do that. That's a joke, son. Okay, so to walk by faith in Christ is to walk in worship, to be devoted, fully devoted to him. And then the name Lord, the name Jesus speaks of his duty and devotion to us as our Savior. The word Christ means anointed one. That speaks of his deity. 
And then the name Lord refers to Jesus as Yahweh or Jehovah, or the word would be Master. This speaks of his destiny. This speaks of his destiny. Colossians 2.10 tells us this about our Lord Jesus Christ. It says, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So who's the head of all things, even though he's allowing things to happen right now? Who's, who's in charge? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. All, let me read it again. It says, for in him dwell, excuse me, verse 10, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He is in charge. And so, there's going to be a day, and you've heard of this, we can look at 118 as well, and then to a very familiar passage, 118 says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. Do you know anybody who likes to have the preeminence? I mean, people who just want to be number one. You know, you say, well, you can look at the media and you can find a few like that. You look at your friends, you might find a few like that. You might look at yourself and say, oh boy, I have work to do because I like to have the preeminence. But who gets the preeminence? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why there's going to be a day, and you know about it in Philippians chapter 2 and verses 9 to 11, where it says, Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and of those under the earth, that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what does that mean for us? Obedience. We are to be obedient. Now, is it a growing situation where we're not there yet? Of course it is. We'll be striving for obedience, for Christ-likeness, till the day we die. But we need to be in step with him so that we're striving to be obedient in every way. And now, that's why 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says, Now by this we know that we know him. Well, you say you know Jesus as your Savior? If we keep his commandments. In other words, it is our goal, and we are striving for obedience, not to be saved. You can't earn salvation, but because we are saved. He who says, I know him, and does not keep his commandments is a what? Liar. If you have no desire to obey Jesus tomorrow morning, I'd worry. Because it says here, his commandment, um, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But then it says, but whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Are you striving to be like your master? Are you striving to be like him? That 
is a proof that Jesus is Lord in your life. You see, when you trusted Jesus as Savior, you trusted a new boss, whether you realized it at the time or not. A new master who loves you, will take care of you, but says if you want to be happiest and you want to please me the most, you need to obey me. You need to follow me. You need to strive to be like me. So we see three things here. When we talk about the name, to be in him, we are in Christ. That means he's the anointed one. That means he's deity we're to worship him. And then when we think of the fact that we think of Jesus, he's the savior. That was his, uh, that was his duty and his devotion. We need to be devoted to him, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength asking for help through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then if we uh, walk in him as Lord this week, he's the boss, he's the master, and uh, it means that he's in charge, he's Jehovah, I am that I am, Yahweh. And then that means we walk in obedience to the one who is We are to be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Abounding with thanksgiving. We didn't get to that second verse there in the text. But may I say to you, ask the Lord because you're in him to help you, to encourage you this week to worship Jesus because he's the anointed one, he's deity, to love Jesus because he's devoted, he did his duty and devotion to die for you as your savior, love him with all your heart. And then this week strive to obey him because He's King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the master of the universe. Let's strive to obey him. I would cry out, I will cry out with you saying, Lord, help us to fulfill these in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here this morning and still have not trusted Christ as Savior, please talk to me or talk to George or talk to Michael. And my friend, if you're not sure of your salvation and you're listening to me, you can contact me, Pastor Jack Peters at gmail.com. Pastor Jack Peters at gmail.com. Lord, help us to love you. Help us to obey you. May we worship you because we are in him. We are in you. Thank you. 